Good morning. So welcome to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people looking to create a life of freedom, choice and abundance. And I am in fact going live today into our group. It's 6.50 a.m. And I woke up today and I thought, you know what? I got something on my mind. Something that a lot of people have been talking to me about lately, actually. And that is about commercial properties. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I'm flying solo today, which is totally cool. And I am really excited to be spending a bit of time with you. And for those listening to the podcast, not live, I just want to say thanks. I really appreciate you listening, tuning in, and also for supporting what we do. Because we get a lot of feedback and a lot of people emailing through. And I'd just like to put it out there that if there's anything that you want us to cover, feel free to just shoot us an email, hello at dash.com.au and get in touch because we're really passionate about creating a platform which really addresses some of the non-linear aspects around life, property, wealth creation, you know, all of these amazing things. And so the more feedback we get, the more that we can really steer the conversation in a way that's really best going to serve you. And for those that are watching live in the group, thank you very much. And if you have any questions as we go through, then feel free to reach out. I'm starting my day today, interestingly, with uh, my favorite coffee bean in the world. It's the Ethiopian Yoga Chef. So Yoga Chef is the region in Ethiopia and it's by an amazing local roaster who has uh, put this together and it's absolutely beautiful. It's got notes of frangipani, caramelized black tea. It is, it's stunning. I highly recommend it if you're into your coffee. Now, a lot of people might note from this and past episodes that I uh, absolutely love coffee. I don't drink and I don't smoke. I don't even eat sugar. So uh, whilst I do have a penchant for a cup of the black stuff, that's kind of as far as it goes for me. And I'm really, I'm really excited to be able to, to share that with people too. And I really love that. So if you do love coffee, let me know. We can get coffee nerd and, and do all that kind of stuff too. I'd be excited to share that with you. But today... What we're going to be talking about is residential versus commercial, the pros and the cons, because I know that uh, a lot of the time, the, a lot of the narrative that I have or that we as a business have, so the Investor Lab is the podcast and the group and the community that we're building, but we also run a business called Dash Dot Buyers Agents, where we help people to invest in real estate. It's, you know, we help people to go and find and acquire the right properties that are going to move them towards their goals. So we've got that. We've got a few different platforms that we communicate on. By and large, the narrative is really based around residential property. So naturally, you might think that I don't like commercial. And I'd like to point out that that is an incorrect assumption because I think commercial is absolutely fantastic. However, there are pros and cons to both. And as I mentioned at the start, there have been a lot more people lately, just in the last sort of couple of weeks, who've been asking me when and where and why and where does it fit and what's the function and you know what are the pros and what are the cons. So I thought we'd just throw together this little episode and I hope it's really going to help and give you some kind of clarity on it. One of these people is my brother, actually, who is really interested in, he's actually a farmer. And so farmland and rural land is, is classified as commercial. And so he was trying, we were talking to him with him about how to strategize his own portfolio and wealth growth and how to strategize leveraging commercial and residential together. So it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool topic um, that we can talk about today. So let's just, um, let's, we're going to hit a few key points today. So first one that I want to talk about is rental yields. Now, if you don't know much about commercial, then 
I'm going to let you know a little secret. Commercial is amazing for cash flow. Amazing. Now, a lot of people know that I'm all about cash flow because, you know, in business and in life, cash flow is what you can spend. Cash flow is what you can take to the shops. You can't buy your groceries with bricks. So you need to have liquid cash flow in your portfolio at all stages for different reasons. Now, when you're starting out building your residential property portfolio, the surplus income you're going to be creating, the the net positive cash flow, it's not an income replacement strategy. What that is is a serviceability strategy. Okay, so when we're talking about an income replacement strategy, where does commercial fit in and why? And, And when would we do that? Because the thing is, Residential, we're looking at realistically, and this is not to disregard some outliers, but typically we're looking at between 3 and 7% yields. Now, don't get me wrong, you can get 10% yields, you can get 14% yields and stuff in residential, but realistically, you're going to be compromising on the asset quality, vice versa, you can get lower than 3% yields depending on where you're buying. But we just use that as a sort of a bit of a benchmark and a guide. That's 3 to 7% gross, gross yield. So, that is the revenue generated by the property before expenses. Okay, I think a lot of people have got their heads around that and that's cool. Typically, we want to be shooting for sort of five and a half, six percent 6% yields with the properties we're helping our clients buy. What about commercial? Well, here is a huge, huge, tremendous difference, in fact. Commercial, we're going to be looking at a very different kind of range. So commercial, we're kind of looking at, you know, anywhere between... 5 and 12% net. And look, and again, there are outliers. You know, there are commercial properties with less than 5 and way more than 12, right? So I'm not trying to trying to bucket this as an, uh, as, an, as an absolute, but this is to give you an indication. But that's net. Between 5 and 12 net. Net. So that is cash flow after cost. Now, there's a few reasons for that. Largely because when you're buying a commercial asset, the tenant is going to be paying all of the outgoings. So imagine if you bought a rental property, a residential rental property, and the tenant had to pay for um, had to pay for all of the bills, all of the rates, all the property management, everything themselves. You know, it'd be a very different kind of cash flow story. But that's just not the case, and that's just not how things are structured. So why doesn't everyone just buy commercial? You want cash flow? You want to replace your income? Why don't you just just sink your teeth in and start going and buying shops? Well, there's risks. There are inherent risks, and this is what people need to understand and to hedge against. There's also different barriers to entry. So let's talk about some of these kind of things. Now, this is designed to be a high-level conversation. This is not designed to be an exhaustive exploration into the mechanics of of both asset classes, but it's really to give you a kind of high-level comparison. And, and I'm more than happy to to do a deep, 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 deep dive into the mechanics if we get some feedback on this episode as well. So why doesn't everyone just buy a commercial? Well, firstly, there's different barriers to entry. So typically, to get a commercial loan, you're going to need about a 30% deposit. Now, for the average investor, that's going to be a, uh, a stretch too far, okay? Because a lot of people who struggle to save up their first 10% deposit, 20% deposit, and really trying to get to that 30% mark is, is really a little stretch too far. So really, you've got to be able to build up your capital and your equity to be able to leverage that into a commercial asset as well. But we'll talk about that in a little bit, how to, how to do that and where it kind of fits into the structure. Also, there's going to be different lending criteria in general. So there's going to be higher interest rates. There's going to be different loan terms. It's, it's going to be based on the perceived risk of that as well. So there's, there's, it's a lot 
more complex and it takes a lot more time to get a commercial loan. That doesn't mean it's not worthwhile if you can do it, but it just means that the barrier to entry is at a different point than most people when they're starting out or in the early stages of their property investment journey, it might not be the right thing to do. Also, there's going to be different capacity to be able to leverage the equity back out because it's largely a cash flow asset and not an equity asset. What I mean by that is, let me just explain that for a second. It's really, you're really buying it for the cash flow. And as with anything, you really have two levers and it's like a seesaw. You're either going to have more cash flow or more growth. It's kind of like, it's, it's a pretty easy seesaw to imagine. If you just imagine it's going like this, this is high cash flow, low growth. So you're going to have limitations as, as to how you can leverage the equity out of it. We'll get into capitalization rates and stuff in just a moment. But again, I don't want to get too far down in the weeds. I just want to give you a high level kind of, kind of view. That's kind of one of the main barriers to entry. But also the other big barrier to entry that I think is a lot of people don't know even how to find a good commercial property or what it looks like. You know, there's so many tools and resources uh, and companies and people and podcasts and all kinds of stuff that really talk a lot about residential, but not a lot talk about commercial. How to find those kind of deals and, you know, what a good deal is and how to do it in a low risk way. And also really coming back down to it from an emotional perspective, everyone can relate to residential. Everyone grew up in residential. So I think it's just generally a lot more difficult to analyze a commercial deal for the everyday investor. And so there's a massive research barrier. I mean, we deal with this day in, day out with people who come to us and there's a massive research and knowledge gap even just in residential, which is something that we all intrinsically know because we've all lived in houses our whole lives. We've all lived in some kind of dwelling. I'm pretty sure that if you're listening to this, you didn't grow up you know, living in a cave. If you did, I'd love to hear your story. That'd be very interesting. So we can associate with residential quite easily. Commercial is a lot harder and it's a little bit of a foreign concept. So let's talk about some of the other um, pros and cons. So there's different risk profile too. As I just mentioned, everyone understands that people need to live in a shelter. So the supply, the marketplace is pretty stable. I was talking about this with one of our clients yesterday, actually. But if you take a look at the economy and the movements of spending and people and everything like that, I think you'll find the business is a lot more volatile. Now, a lot more money can be made in business over a shorter period of time. However, it's a lot more volatile, which is why real estate in general, as opposed to business, residential real estate in general, as opposed to business, makes such a fundamentally great diversification strategy for even people who are in business. That's a whole nother topic. Think about it like this. Everyone knows that retail is suffering at the moment with the rise of online shopping and Amazon and all of this kind of stuff. We're seeing more and more major retailers shutting down. So these kind of economic and socioeconomic fluctuations can really heavily impact the long-term viability of a commercial asset because where once investing in a retail store was a great idea, it's now not. There's more risk because what if that business goes out of business because essentially that's what you're investing in. You're investing in a business or you're investing in an industry and you're hedging that industry or that business owner is going to do well enough to be able to cover all of those costs and to make your investment a viable investment. And that's kind of a real key thing. When you're investing in residential, you're investing in people and we're all people and we all understand people. You don't need to understand, is their business a good business? Is that industry a good industry? Is you know, what are the pros and cons of investing in, in um, a factory, a manufacturing factory versus a storage unit versus a retail outlet versus a car park? Because car parks in the cities can actually make pretty good investments too if you know what you're doing. 
but there's a lot more moving parts in all of that kind of stuff and a lot more unknowns. Whereas the reality is everyone needs to live in, a, in some kind of dwelling. So it could be a house, it could be an apartment, it could be a number of different things, but everyone needs a roof over their head. And so really that's the key kind of risk difference that I see between commercial and residential. Residential is a lot more stable and you're going to get a lot more capital growth, but you're going to get a lot less cash flow. There's the same fundamental drivers though, which is quite an interesting thing. So the fundamental drivers behind commercial and the commercial valuation is going to be fluctuating interest rates, infrastructure developments, new roads, demand, all of that kind of stuff. Demographics, are people moving in and out of an area? But look, they're just different metrics within those demographics. You know, It's about the demand changing towards the marketplace as opposed to the demand changing towards the human place. So... Think about, you know, is it an aging population? Are we going to have an aged care facility, child care facilities, small offices? You know, is it professional services that need it? So there's a lot more moving parts there. But again, the fundamental drivers, we're still talking about population growth. We're still talking about all of those things. So there's one benefit there that I see with commercial is that you can get a lot of cash flow. If you can invest in a, in a right place, in the right type of asset, you can actually really, really accelerate quite quickly because you're going to have high cash flow and the fundamentals of that area are going to be increasing a lot. So if you happen to find the right property with the right fundamentals, it's going to be a great asset. But again, there's barriers to entry and sometimes it's a step too far. And I tend to think that there is a place for commercial in everyone's portfolio, but it's just about understanding the right time. One of the other things that is worth talking about is the higher vacancy rates in commercial. Now, as with everywhere, as with any asset, there is no hard and fast or commercial has higher vacancy rates than residential. It's really going to massively depend on the industry, the location and all of those kind of key fundamental drivers. I think that by and large, though, I think we can all agree that there is a slightly higher risk because, you know, I think we've all seen shops that have sat vacant for a year or two years or all that kind of stuff, whereas you're much less likely to see that in a residential asset. Now, that's just simple supply and demand metrics because if there are a certain number of people and a certain number of houses, that demand needs to be met. And it's unlikely if you're investing in a good location that you're going to have a very long vacancy rate or a very long vacancy period. That being said, there are again outliers. You know, if you were to invest in a small country town, for example, with you know, very high vacancy rate, very low economic stimulus, then you are going to experience a longer vacancy rate most likely, even if you're investing in a residential asset. But I think it's just something to really consider. The vacancy rates can be much, much longer with a commercial asset, which can actually present a really high holding risk. You need to have the cash in your portfolio or in your bank to be able to cover those holding costs whilst you are waiting for the right tenant. Because it's not just about getting any tenant in there. As with residential, you need to get the right tenant that is going to suit your needs and you're going to be able to work with for a long time. Because Here's the other thing, residential, typical lease periods are you know six months or 12 months. And if you don't like the tenant, you have the opportunity to, to just change you know, at those points. If, you, if they're really bad, obviously you can kick them out. I'm sure you can do that in commercial as well. Lease terms on commercial are typically a lot longer, um, which again has pros and cons. Because if you can lock in a good tenant and you can get them on, for example, a 10-year lease, you're going to have a very reliable income stream for a long period of time. And that is very, very, very appealing to almost any investor. You're not gonna be thinking, what if the tenant wants to leave after a year? Cause you're gonna have contract terms. There's a massive pro there, but the downside is you might have to wait longer to get that. So there are swings and roundabouts. 
But here's the other thing about commercial as well. Now, in a residential property, if you want to attract a better tenant, uh, you should probably dress up that property a little bit nicer, paint the walls, make the garden look good and get a better, get a better tenant in there. Commercial though, it's actually on the tenant to fit that place out however they want. Now, again, pros and cons because what they're typically going to have is the capacity to make some modifications inside the building. Okay, so you've got to be aware of that. But also they're going to be responsible for all the works. If they want to paint it, cool, they're going to ask your permission, but <laughs> they're painting it, not you. Now, that also has uh, really great upsides in terms of depreciation. So if there are fit outs and stuff like that, some of those remain permanent, you're going to be able to depreciate different assets. And there's different kind of pros and cons from a tax perspective that you're going to be able to leverage in a commercial asset. So another thing that um, is interesting about the commercial versus residential discussion is rent increases. So as we touched on a moment ago, residential leases are typically six and 12 months and typically the rents are going to rise in line with inflation. And there are caps as to how much you can increase the rent over a given period based on state government legislature. So you've kind of got limitations there and there are, is only a certain real rate that you can increase that rent in a feasible way. Whereas with commercial, you've got predetermined rental increases that are drafted into the lease, often 3 to 5% per annum. So you can actually forecast your cash flow much better over a longer period of time. Now, as a business owner, which every property investor is, whether you understand that or not, you should start understanding that. As a business owner, cash flow is key. Cash flow is the lifeblood to business. So the more that you can secure a longer-term cash-flowing asset, the better because you're going to have a much more reliable recurring revenue stream. And that is really the holy grail. You know, reliable recurring revenue. That's what we all want because that gives us the capacity to plan. No one wants a lot of, well, don't get me wrong. If someone gave you a million dollars cash right now, that'd be great. But if someone could say, I'm going to give you a million dollars distributed evenly over the next five years, that would be exceptional because that would give you a freedom scope to know what you can work with over the long term which I think is quite exciting. Okay, so let's just quickly nail on some of the pros and some of the cons. So as I touched on at the start, one of the pros with commercial is that you know you can get 5 to 12% net yields versus 3 to 7% gross. The cash flow in that though, that higher yield is representative of a lower capital growth, weaker capital growth typically. I'm not going to get into capitalization rates now because it's quite a complex topic and I think we can save that for another time. But it is, it is very interesting. I'll, I'll touch on it. Actually, I'll touch on it quickly. So the way that a commercial asset is valued now, bearing in mind a unit block is classed as a commercial asset and we help people buy unit blocks too. A warehouse is classed as a commercial asset. As a commercial asset, the valuation of that property or that asset is going to be judged on the revenue generated by that asset so it's based on the cash flow it's based on the gross revenue and net revenue to that degree the rate that which you can increase the revenue is the rate at which you can increase the value of that asset so for example if you bought a unit block and it had a thousand dollars a week that it was being rented out at for example and you increased that rent to 1100 depending on the local capitalization rate and the capitalization me measure of that asset in that area, you would magnify the value of the asset simply by increasing the rents. So whilst it does have the same fundamental drivers as residential, so demand, supply, uh, infrastructure, population, all of that kind of stuff, 
there's a one key major differentiating factor. If you raise the rents in your rental property, residential rental property, you're not gonna change the value. It's a different discussion. But if you raise the rents on a commercial asset, you're going to be changing the value of the asset. And that is really how you increase your equity. So it's really about creating a better asset which is going to yield at a higher rate. So a really great tip here, if you do wanna go out and look for a, a commercial property, is to understand the local market and understand what the average capitalization rate is for that asset. So I can talk about uh, pretty freely a unit block example. So for example, if you were to go and look for a unit block and the unit block as a whole was yielding at 7%. But if you did a comparable analysis of the most relevant and nearby market and found three or four other examples of an identical or very similar unit block that was yielding at 8%, you would be able to ostensibly recognize that the block that is yielding at 7% is under market value, which is really interesting because simply by buying that unit block and then increasing the rents up to the market rate, then you would increase your capitalization rate and thus increase the value, sometimes in a magnitude of hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's just a different value ad lever when you start looking at commercial properties. It's not all about can I subdivide or can I renovate? It's about how much can I increase the revenue? What can I do to reasonably increase the revenue in that asset? And that's how you're going to make your money. And once you do that, you're able to leverage the equity back out. But it doesn't have the same growth metrics leveraging around that. I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. If you've got questions about that, hit me up. It's, su it's a super interesting topic with a lot of different uh, mechanical levers, but I, I think it's super exciting. Once you understand that your single goal in an asset, in a commercial asset, whether that be a, a residential commercial or an industrial commercial or a retail commercial, is to increase your revenue, then your goal just becomes to increase the, the amount of money being generated by that asset and you can magnify your wealth quite quickly. So I'm gonna quickly run through some pros and cons and I'm gonna talk about where does it fit in your portfolio. So pros and cons, we've talked about the yield difference. So pro, another pro is that there's longer lease periods. So three to five years in a commercial asset versus say 12 months in a residential asset. Um, rents are usually charged as a rate per square meter, um, which can be a really good thing uh, depending on the size of your asset. So there's regular rent reviews. The tenants in commercial properties typically pay all the outgoings. The tenants in commercial properties are generally better at maintaining the property because it's their place of business. So they've got a vested interest in wanting to upkeep that in a standard that they want to work in. You know, everyone gets bad tenants, but that's a general idea. And there's way less management involved. I know that we've got commercial property managers listening, so correct me if I'm wrong there, guys. But um, there's a lot less hands-on because you're not dealing with the emotions of people. You're dealing with the static nature of business to some degree. So some of the cons though, higher barriers to entry. So usually max 70% LBR, higher interest rates. You need to have equity and capital to be able to get into that type of asset. And it's going to cost you a lot more to get into a good asset. It can cash flow a hell of a lot more, but it's also some, sometimes going to be harder to leverage equity out of. Vacancy rates can be a lot longer or vacancy periods can be a lot longer. So it's one of those things, there's a lot higher risk, but there's a lot higher reward in some ways as well. Uh, market cycles are a bit different. Fundamental drivers are the same, but the market cycles can be very different because what it's gonna be based on is commercial market trends as opposed to residential market trends. There's a higher complexity in the leases and we can go on and on. I think that we've kind of covered some of the key differences, right? So if we really distilled it down, it would be this. Residential 
is the best investment you can make for growing your equity. Well, I'm talking about real estate here. I'm not talking about other asset classes completely. So residential is really about growing your equity. And commercial is really about growing your cash flow. Okay. So what if you want to do both? Well, for most people, as we've just talked about, there's the barrier to entry, the 30% deposit. So for most people, it's really a case of building up your equity in your residential portfolio and then using that to leverage into a variety of different kind of assets which are going to give you more cash flow. Now, there are ways you can do that within residential without having to go to commercial. There are opportunities to do dual locks, granny flats, um, unit blocks, all these kind of things. Unit blocks being a commercial residential asset. There are different ways of doing it. And some people just do not have the appetite for risk to go into commercial. They see it's too risky, that they're not up for holding it vacant for a really long period of time and they're just not interested. Okay, so for some people, they said hard no, we're never gonna do a commercial. And so for those people, I would say awesome, your pathway is gonna look something like this from start to finish. It's gonna look like something like buy two to four basic residential properties that you can add a small amount of value to through a cosmetic renovation, right? Increase the rents. Leverage that equity into a higher value asset where you're going to be able to do something like a subdivision or add a granny flat to really jack up your cash flow or find an opportunity to build or buy a duplex, something with a dual income. You want to be looking for a high yield, high equity asset in that second tier of your portfolio. And then the third tier is what we call the legacy phase, which is where you're going to be starting to look at things like unit blocks and commercial assets. For some people who've got a slightly higher risk profile and want to shorten that cash flow timeframe, it really is going to be quite similar. You're going to need to build your equity in residential, transfer that equity into commercial, but only at a certain point in time. Now, how do you know what that certain point in time is? Well, here's the thing. You need to get to a point in your portfolio where you can essentially split your investment streams. So there's no point getting to a point in your portfolio where you're like, okay, I've got $100,000 of available equity and I'm just going to go slam all that into commercial and hope for the best because you're probably going to get stuck. Now, what I would strongly recommend to anyone listening to this or anyone thinking about investing in commercial is absolutely do your homework. Let's have a chat if you want to talk about that. That's fine. Don't be scared of residential, but understand this. You should, in my opinion... Only invest in commercial when you can invest in a residential asset and a commercial asset at the same time. When you have enough equity to be able to continue building your residential portfolio and at the same time also still have enough equity to be able to diversify into commercial, that is when you're going to have the strength to do that. Because what that is going to do is make sure that you can continue to build your residential portfolio, build that wealth, build that legacy asset you're going to be able to pass on to your children and it's going to give you that financial security and that broad wealth base and also diversify into commercial and a higher cash flow asset. I don't think that it is a robust decision to just go, I'm going to go buy three residential properties and then bam, I'm just going straight to commercial. I think genuinely you need to be able to do both. And I think the point that people should be looking for is to understand, can I do both at the same time? And when you get to that point, that's when you can start to split because that's hedging. And that is making sure that you're not putting all your eggs into one basket and finding that you may have made a mistake because we all make mistakes in our journey and no one wants to get stuck. I'm a big one about building risk-averse portfolios and helping people to get where they want to go in a very low-risk way. So I hope that really helps. Okay, so let's just recap. We've covered the pros and the cons. We've kind of talked about capitalization rates. We've talked about cash flow. We've talked about barriers to entry and some of the risks 
associated with this. If you're watching this live, let me know what you think. And if you've got any questions, fire them in. But I think it's really something that people shouldn't be scared about exploring. But there's just a lot of moving parts. And I think that one of the biggest things that I see is just that it's just that fear of the unknown. Me personally, I think commercial is great, but I just think it's got to have a place and you've got to understand where that place is for it to work for you. And I think that for most people, it's maybe just a little bit of a step too far. I do speak to a lot of people all the time. They're just not interested in it at all because they don't understand the risks. Like anything, educate yourself and really the more that you can learn and grow and understand what tools exist out there in the marketplace that are going to move you towards your wealth destination, the more you're going to be able to succeed. Because think about it like this. If you only have one tool, you know, if you, I think what's the, what's the saying? I think I'm, going to, I'm going to butcher the saying. But if the only tool that you have is a hammer, every problem starts to look like a nail. Okay? It's a one-size solution. So I believe that people should diversify their toolkit and understand the many different ways that you can approach property investing in order to get to where you want to go. And I'm not just talking about commercial versus residential. I'm talking about knowledge, strategy, opportunity, goals, speed, finance. The more that you can understand it, the more you're going to be able to master the game. And really, even though I talk about real estate all the time, I don't really care about real estate. What I care about is people. What I really care about is helping people to get to where they want to go. Real estate is just a vehicle. I happen to think it's a very, very good vehicle. I don't think it's the only vehicle, but I think it is a very, very good vehicle. And it's probably going to be the vehicle that's going to take most people to where they want to go, which is why I'm so passionate about helping people to do that. But it's about the people, not about the product. So for me, my suggestion from here would be ask some questions. If you are connected with us in our community in the Investor Lab, then hit me up and ask me some questions. I'll be more than happy to help and steer you in the right direction. I love having a robust conversation around this kind of stuff. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or another platform, and you want to know more, then you can just reach out. Reach out to us direct, hello at dashdot.com.au. And if you want to be a part of the Investor Lab community, then head to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the investor lab join the conversation that's happening in there between loads of really amazing like-minded people like you that are all seeking a life of freedom and choice and abundance and if there's any way that i can help please don't hesitate to reach out thanks for listening and i really appreciate you see you